dog. <laughs> Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Jean Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Every here he is, the one and only Jerry Springer. Oh, yeah. Please. Please. Actually... The applause would be louder, but people are holding their coffee cups, I just noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So well, from now on, no coffee until after the introductions. No, can't do that. Wait, our friends, no, Folk School okay. Coffee Parlor, where, yes. by the way, uh, Bitter Roots is the locally uh, gr- ground, I guess, uh, coffee bean in uh, the Cincinnati area. It's wonderful. It's very hey, good. Hey, by the way, it's good. Th- and I know Megan says the one and only Jerry Springer, Thank and that's kind of hyperbole, but I want to tell you something. What do you mean hyperbole? Look no, in the phone I have, book. <laughs> uh, over the years we've been friends, I've noticed yes. something, and I'm seriously, and let's cut okay. the kidding out because sometimes we joke around. This is not a joke, but you are, you have an impressive mind, and I have even noticed an impressive memory because when we get into conversation sometimes with other people i'm struggling to keep up trying to remember the name is it kim davis who is that you know that uh, co- where is county the, where clerk is this down going? In, I'm, I'm a little do you need then, some money Are no you, is this is this no, a no, preamble no, my business i have a good business plan for yeah, this podcast. Yeah, I, I no longer need any money business plan. here's what yeah. i wanted to ask you you seem to have a memory, and I've noticed this. That I is, is the word photogenic. Somebody who can no. sort of see things, and they can just photogenic remem- is not <laughs> photographic not f- memory. A photographic, memory. a photographic. Yeah. Yeah, photogenic memory. is someone like me who's oh, who very is photogenic. A, 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 I got you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a very, photographic. No, he does that. He, very he, attractive. Your knack for remembering dates, and it's really kind of creepy. Sometimes. It is. I mean, yeah. he can. He remembers a. a things of history etc and um, I just wanted to compliment you for that I think that it's an amazing uh, faculty point? and uh, yeah. it's impressive fine and um, how about you know compliment me like at the office when we're doing work this when do we do work at any office on well, any office. we don't your business you plan don't we don't even have office. an office <laughs> uh, okay and the point being you know it just occurred to me Megan you know it would be kind of it would really put Jerry on the spot but it might be kind of amusing well, we even if he failed like, don't even have to tell me just do it I wonder if we could say ask him to do something that would be probably impossible and there is a studio applaud again I want to prove there is a studio audience yeah. here there are witnesses here. There are. So what if we ask Jerry to do something? Okay, I've got an idea. Okay, what you got? There have been 44 presidents. This is true. 44. Yep. Uh, Barack Obama is the 44th president. What if we ask you? Actually, it have been 43, but uh, Grover Cleveland was president twice. Well, well, see, there's an example of that. Look just, at you. Yeah, I mean, it's just huh? obnoxious. obnoxious. Where were you in Miss Leiter's <laughs> <Yeah>. class? <laughs> yeah. Not Let me ask fair. you to do something. I have a watch. I will time you. We will give you, I'm thinking five minutes, but that's too easy because he could then really think. Let's ask him in a minute, one minute, 60 okay. seconds. I will time it. To do what? To name in order every president no way. from the first <laughs> To the last. There is no Were chance. you just with your photographic is this memory? Taped? Can we stop this? He doesn't remember what he had for lunch today. All right, he's How not, he, he has no prop. He no, has no he aid. He's not looking at his okay. cell phone. All phones are off. Are you willing to try that? Do you think you could do that? 
I think all the, the, the four, all the presidents. All the presidents. In order. In order. And you're going to time it. You got the timer? And if this doesn't work, we'll start the broadcast over and we'll do something else. <laughs> oh, really? If you are utterly we'll embarrassed. find something he can do. How about naming my grandson? That's yeah. Fun. You got one. one. And by I the way, one. Jerry, when you do it, are you going to dove in? Is that what you're going to rock? Get to the, okay. Then he gets oh, nervous. Boy, All right. Okay. In, Who's got the in 60 oh. seconds, I'm going to count you down. Five, four, oh. three, two, go. George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, James Polk, Zachary Taylor, Millard, Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, James C. Buchanan, Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Johnson, Ulysses S. Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, James Garfield, uh, Chester Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, Grover Cleveland against William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, Woodrow Wilson, Warren Harding, Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, uh, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, uh, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. Woo! <laughs> That was so cool. Was it a minute? That was less than a minute. Less wow. Than a minute. To be honest, that's that was freaking unbelievable. Truly yes. impressive, sir. No, I didn't have many friends as a kid. Clearly. So I, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just, I don't need, Gene, I'm can speechless. can you do anything? Well, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. What, yeah. what can you do? <laughs> okay, count to 10 in one minute. In order. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one minute to count to ten. Shut up, he's got a yo-yo. Oh, he's got a yo-yo. He's got a yo-yo. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot see this at home. That's Walk the Dog. Oh, my god. Walk gosh. the Pony. What is that? Wow. Rock the, the Cradle. thing. Unbelievable. Wow. Do you... Do you travel with a yo-yo in your pocket just in case someone asks you to yeah. do a trick? Yeah, I always have a yo-yo. I always have a... Oh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventh grade humor. I always have a yo-yo in my pocket. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That actually is really he cool. Just, Good job. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Who knew? Nice. Now, yeah. Now, Megan. All right. What's going on here? Well, well, just one last thing, and we can't do it tonight because I don't think you have the prop with you. But oh. maybe the next time, would you bring, because you said in a previous podcast that you are trained in... Combat. Correct. Co- what's it called? Sword, um, stage combat. So I've got, like, stage combat. Yeah, like double-handed broadsword, single-handed. Yeah, it's So true. if we push the audience back a little bit and you had your prop. By the way, do you carry a sword in your trunk typically? Generally, but not tonight. It's weird. Gotcha. Yeah. Weird. Just weird. <laughs> Just weird. one of those things. <laughs> yeah. One all, all right. night. Uh, get ready because we want you to bring a sword in. We'll do a demonstration yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. for a podcast. Could you cut Oops. his throat? Please. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tales, tunes, and tragedies. Next, Jerry <laughs> Next on Jerry Springer. Yeah. Next, Tales, tunes, and next, blood. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, you were uh, actually talking about a more serious subject here is uh, the, the uh, Kim Davis, you know, the, um, the clerk of Rowan County. That's pronounced Rowan, I learned Rowan, by going oh, down okay. there. Rowan, Rowan County. County, Kentucky. And she is the clerk who refuses to grant a marriage license to a gay couple, even though they're obviously allowed to under the Constitution now in the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, But she refuses to because she says it's against her personal religious belief, even though she's required by the law to do it. That's her job. She's a clerk. 
It took an oath. Yeah. And the judge, as of this podcast, the judge had sentenced her to jail in contempt of court. And as soon as she goes ahead and delivers the uh, or signs the marriage license, uh, grants it, then uh, she would be out of jail. But today, you, well, you were down there to see the hearing. Right. And why and, don't you bring and, us up and today? We're recording this on a day, but about yeah. six days previous, I drove down. And by the way, all kidding aside, you and I said when we started this podcast that though we can't do headline stories because the nature of podcasts are you're not doing three hours a day radio five days a week. So we, we do things a little more thematically. But we also agreed if something happened in America that's significant, we go. Maybe all of yeah. us, maybe one of us, some of us. So I decided to go to Ashland, Kentucky, which is the far eastern side of Kentucky from Cincinnati, three-hour drive or so. And I went to the federal courthouse where she was facing a contempt hearing. So I drove down there, and I will tell you when I got there, it looked like what I think the Scopes monkey trial probably looked like in 1925, yeah. Dayton, Tennessee. Uh, Joseph Scopes, I think his name was Joe Scopes, Joseph Scopes was tried for because he was teaching evolution. Now, they're kind of on the flip side. Scopes was kind of on the liberal side. Kim Davis is kind of on the conservative side, saying that gay people don't have the right to marry, when in fact, obviously, they do for a variety of reasons. And back then, the Tennessee law said you could not teach evolution That's in the schools, and he did. And, and he was convicted, by the he way. He was convicted. And Williams, William Jennings Bryan, who, was, who had run for president three times as a Democrat and lost, but was a real Bible belt, mm -hmm. he uh, was the prosecutor, or Correct. he aided in the prosecution, and Clarence Darrow. Clarence Darrow. By the way, if you ever get a chance, and then I won't interrupt anymore, yeah. but if you ever get a chance to see the play, which you were in uh, locally here, but also if you get to see the play or the movie, Inherit the Wind, Mm -hmm. um, that's the whole story. That's the whole story. And it's a, just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, story. And, and you play. know what? That's the point. When I rolled up to Ashland, Kentucky, where the Eastern District Circuit, one of the circuit courtrooms is, it looked like that scene and what I'd seen in the movie and what we had imagined when the play is done. There were two huge throngs, two sides of the streets. They're different from 1925. They had equipment. They had technology. <clears throat> they had huge amplifiers set up. So there was a war of the amplifiers. There was a plane flying over, pulling a banner saying, Stay Strong Kim, pro-Kim Davis people. There were equal numbers of people face-to-face -face at times, chanting. I kept thinking, yeah, there could be a fight that's going to happen, though it never happened. So I was outside watching all this. And then a cop said to me, and I was in the role of a journalist, so to speak, and a cop said, hey, there's a seat just opened up. I guess some, a journalist, 70 people got into the courtroom in the spectator area, and they were all journalists, it appeared to me. So a seat opened up. I grabbed it. They you know, turned over my electronics. They searched me. I went up in the courtroom, and I was able to get in just as Kim Davis was being cross-examined and examined. And when she sat down, she was three rows in front of me. I had the perfect seat for this. I saw her interrogated. I saw the plaintiff, one of the plaintiffs, who was a professor at Moorhead University, testify. And then I saw the judge deliberate and say, uh, and here, this was the bottom line. The judge said in the interrogations, <clears throat> one attorney said to Kim Davis, and now she's under oath, so she's got to tell the truth, yeah. one, one would assume. 
He said, have you been contacted by anybody with pledges of money? This goes to the point of what would fines mean? Yeah. And there was a pause, and she says, I have. The attorney said, name them, and she rattled off all of these ultra-conservative organizations. What have they pledged? And she said, you know, plenty of money. The judge then concluded fines would do nothing to her. You couldn't give any amount of money yeah. that the Cook brothers or people sure. like them right. might not have turned up for her. And the judge, and no one saw this coming, I sure didn't, said, I, uh, I'm going to hand you over to the marshals who are going to take you off. And it's because it's, it's the only thing I can think of doing. And I'm paraphrasing, so, but he said, I'm going to sit you in a jail cell. And then he then was going to interrogate, which he did, all of her deputies, which, who were all sitting in the row right behind her. And he went down the line with them, and he found out of six, five who said, I'll sign, I'll give out marriage licenses, and one wouldn't, and that's her son. Mm -hmm. And that's how it ended. So today... So she gets released. She now got released she's been today. released because... The, uh, uh, the licenses were issued, not by her, but by the deputies, even though her signature is still on the license. That, well, here's the, here's the resolution for Judge Bunning. And by the way, I almost went to this. I started to go, and then I thought I'm, I, I didn't know where he lived. But Sunday in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, a northern Kentucky suburb, there were protesters at Judge Bunning, federal court judge, at his home. Now, you know, I don't think that's good strategy. Right. No. You know, if you want, <laughs> yeah. if you want your woman who's in jail to be get some leniency, I don't know that you go pick at his home, but they did. Uh, well, what they're trying to make the, 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 the reads. I don't think they're concerned. They really were that concerned about getting her out, although they probably would like maybe to see. But you know, I think they just want attention for the issue. They want to make a martyr. You know, they get. The news is going to cover the protesters outside the judge's house. And they did. Yeah, they, they wouldn't. A private phone call, could you please help? They're not allowed to do that. But, I mean, that kind of yeah. stuff, that doesn't get them anything. Do you know what they he did to today? Protest. What the judge did today, and i got to tell you, the Judge Bunning is very slick. He's very sharp. A Republican judge appointed by H. Walker Bush. And he said today, I'm going. he cut a deal with the involvement of her attorney, is what I understand, and they agreed to what was on this sheet, which was, I will let you out. And the understanding is that you will not interfere directly or indirectly were his words, or we go back to sanctions. And the implication yeah. was, I'll put you back in jail. So I thought when I heard that reported that she, through her attorney, said, I will allow what's happening. Here's what's happening. Her deputies are giving out marriage licenses they don't have her name on them in the slot where and this all came oh, out okay. in the testimony where she would put her name kim davis clerk of rowan county they put in rowan county they didn't put her name they didn't name her they went then to the plaintiff's attorneys and they said all right you've been given marriage licenses are you comfortable these are legal and all of those married couples soon to be married couples said probably gay and straight because she was shutting down everything, said, yeah, we're comfortable. And because as you and I were talking, driving over, I mean, who's going to go to court and make somebody's marriage license now illegal? No, yeah. I mean, nobody's going to do that. So they all said, we're fine if this is how it rolls from here forward. The judge basically undercut Kim Davis. 
and laid it all on her deputy. So her only play now is to go to work tomorrow in Ashland, pardon me, in Rowan County and maybe fire her deputies because they did throw her under the bus, the biggest bus in town. But yeah, but she'll go back to jail then because she said not directly or indirectly uh, influenced. Correct. That's right. So, and that would be certainly indirectly. She's also yeah. saying through her attorney that uh, maybe it's as of tomorrow, she's going to fight the legality of the marriage licenses that were given out. Okay. If she doesn't, then, then she's uh, uh, admitting to yeah. uh, losing the situation. Now, this is all outrageous. Look, it, it, wherever you stand on the issue, God bless you, that's the way you stand on the issue. You know, you either want to have gay marriage legal or you don't. The court has decided already, but you can still have your personal position. She can even have her own conscience. And no one is forcing her to change her views or change her conscience. But she doesn't have a constitutional right to hold a public office where the responsibility for that office is to issue these licenses. She doesn't have the right to disobey the Constitution. If you can't do it because your conscience says no, resign. Resign. Show some courage. Show the courage of your conviction. I would argue she does not have the courage of a conviction if she is still trying to hold on to her job. It's one thing to give a speech, and maybe you sit for a day or two in jail, and it's, you know, oh, I really believe this. I'm going to fight for it. Oh, garbage. She's not giving anything up. She's becoming a hero, and she still keeps her job. If she had the courage of her conviction, she would resign. You know, in the whole civil rights era, people that thought that something was horrible, like, you know, obviously discrimination and all that, they went to jail for their convictions. They paid a price. But if you're not willing to pay a price, then what is all this? Now, that's one thing. Okay, she's having her moment in the sun. Fine. It's not going to affect anybody. But these guys that are running for president of the United States specifically Huckabee and Cruz and maybe a couple of the others, they have said that it is okay for you to ignore the Constitution, not follow the law, if it's a law that, in Huckabee's words, quote, is not right. You don't believe it's right. It's against your conscience. When he, let's say, by some miracle, he was elected president of the United States, he couldn't take the office because on January 20th of 2017, he would be required to raise his right hand and say that I swear to protect and preserve the Constitution of the United States, so help me God. And he says he's a God-fearing man. So if you are telling the people of this nation you don't have to obey a law that is against your conscience, then it means nothing to him. How can he be the president of the United States when he's already, on day one, violating the oath he's taken to preserve and protect the Constitution? How can you have a country where you let everyone decide what laws they're going to obey and then have a defense saying, well, I don't believe it. It's, it's, it's against my religion. You know, my, my inner thoughts say... God made us of separate races for a purpose, so therefore I am not going to serve an African-American that comes into my restaurant. Okay, that's unconstitutional. We've settled it. Done. You're going to let a person do that? Then our laws mean nothing.
Now, Huckabee then says, when he's challenged on that, here's the best part. He said, well, Lincoln and slavery, you think they would have put Lincoln in jail for violating the Constitution at the time? Because in 1857, three years before he became president, you had the famous Dred Scott decision, which is universally believed to be the worst decision the Supreme Court ever handed down. And the Dred Scott decision, very quickly, was Dred Scott was a slave. His owner took him out of the South on a trip and took him to a northern territory where they didn't have slavery. It was a free state, free territory. And he then, Dred Scott, being a slave, suddenly he's in a free territory, goes to court and sues to be let free. And the Supreme Court ruled that he doesn't have a right to sue, he doesn't have standing because he's African-American and they're not citizens. A horrible decision. So he wasn't even allowed to bring the suit because he wasn't viewed as a citizen under our Constitution. Remember back then it was only three-fifths of a human being. So, and then Lincoln, of course, freed the slaves is what we learn in childhood. The fact is he didn't violate, Lincoln never violated the Constitution on that. Because in 1863, with the Emancipation Proclamation, that proclamation only freed those slaves that were in the states that had seceded from the Union, had rebelled against the United States. He then took the powers of, he was commander-in-chief, right, as the president. And so he took the War Powers Act that gave him the power as commander-in-chief during a war to make these executive decisions. So he freed the slaves, but only those who were slaves in the states were at the time were under rebellion. So if you were a slave in Kentucky, and Kentucky had slavery, Missouri had slavery, they didn't secede from the Union. They weren't in rebellion against the United States, so those slaves were not free by the Emancipation Proclamation. Slaves did not become free throughout America until 1865 or 66, when you had the 13th Constitutional Amendment saying no more slavery. So Huckabee wants to be President of the United States, forgot the oath he has to take, and doesn't even know the history of the example he's given, saying that Lincoln violated the Dred Scott decision because he thought slavery was immoral, which we all do. Why can't Kim Davis violate the Constitution because she thinks gay marriage is immoral? Well, the point is Lincoln didn't violate that Constitution on that issue, and Kim, John Kim Johnson, Kim Johnson, let me tell you, dancing Kim Johnson partner. is my dancing partner <laughs> in Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I'm an Believe idiot. Me, Kim Davis. Kim Davis. I've Kim met him both. Kim There's Davis no Kim cannot dance. <laughs> Kim Davis. Uh, I know Kim Johnson. I have, Kim Johnson is a friend of mine. Yeah, Kim I, Davis, you're no Kim Johnson. Amen. I've seen them both, trust me. I'm an idiot. So anyway. Anyway, that's... There you uh, go. All right, good. That's some good background, Jerry. How in the hell are you able to name all those presidents in a minute, by the way? How could you, how do you do Seriously. that? They were the president. And what? I could probably name the states. I don't know if in a minute, because there's 50 of them. 
Hey, Megan. I can do 44. I can't do 50. You can only do 44. <laughs> no. But I mean, you know, you learn stuff in school. There's nobody, nobody in this room can do that. No. But then again, few people in this room can do Rock the Cradle with a yo-yo, which I, I could do it again. I mean, that's yes. pretty young. But nobody Walk wants dog, to do that. Walk the dog, not a big deal. <laughs> Rock the Cradle, impressive. Megan, can I ask you something? Because Jerry and I, think of Jerry and I as your crazy uncles. Every time you say that phrase, Megan, can I ask you yeah, something? And yet, I know you get it's nervous. not going to be good. It's not going to no. be good. It's not going to be good. I have no idea what it is, but it's not going to be good. I, I probably wanna, just say, no, you can't. But well, what is it, Gene? I wanted to ask you something. You, you had a date the other night. I did. You had lots oh. of dates. You have lots of dates. It isn't, I, right. my gosh, you have plenty of dates. You, oh, you do not sit around waiting machine. for the phone. It's a dating machine. <laughs> What Tell us. I don't even know. Just so don't clear, worry about who's listening. This was not from the podcast. This was not a date no, from the podcast. No, this was podcast. not. Oh, do you sorry, want to date, Megan? No, the, no. The this bit, is like as we call it. In this real life. In real, real life. life. Some guy asked you out, as he would. So it was a setup, actually. It was some friends of mine from grad school. Oh. Um, and they had this guy in common as friends. And they said, hey, you know, you're single. We'll call him Bob. Bob is single. Blah, 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 blah. We went out a couple weeks ago. Had a really nice time. So we had a second date. So and a date you would assume starts. Oh, but let me ask yeah. you: yes, What time did he pick oh, you up? Well, roughly. he didn't pick. I, I, I met him. That's fair we enough. We were going to take a cab. Oh, this was, was a second date. This so was a he'd second already date. been out with yes. you once, and then yes. this isn't. This, this isn't is going to end well. <laughs> and the second date began roughly <laughs> like five forty-five, six o'clock. I okay, get down. so you yeah. think you're going to be hanging out till midnight, yeah. one, two, in the and morning, get a meal and get a free meal? Yeah. Well, so we so we had plans to go to a couple of the breweries in the area, Ryan Guys, which was really cool. Oh, you drink. Yeah, I had a beer. It was crazy. Um, we uh, And then we went over to a place in Covington. But he said to me earlier in the evening, well, you know, my brother's coming in town. So um, I'm going to have around 8.30 or 9, I'm going to meet up with my brother. I'm thinking you're going to meet up with your brother to with join me. you. Yeah, like we're going to oh. we're going to go hang out with your Like 8.30-ish, yeah. 9-ish, that means oh. the date's going to be over like a third of the way through yeah, what you so, assume it might so, be. So, you know, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, this is a little, something's off. You don't make plans to have a date that starts at 6 o'clock on a Friday and ends at 8.30 oh, on a Friday. Oh, it doesn't sound good. Wow. No. So I had yeah. some doubts. Yeah. yeah. And I did some checking. Uh-oh. He had he a, a second date. He had a second oh. date? He did. And he it had, wasn't his brother. It wasn't his brother. Because they, totally it wasn't a state without me. gay marriage. <laughs> so... He, he wasn't totally dating his brother? In the same night, he had a second date. In the same night, and I date. have to tell you, this guy is not good looking enough to pull it off. It's just <laughs> not possible. <laughs> well, well, so he, yeah. how did you find out? So I, I totally, I checked, I checked up on him. I called my girlfriend, and I said, hey. She's like, how'd the date go? And I said, well, you know, his brother. And she went, well, here's the deal. We, our mutual friends, were out to dinner last night. That wasn't his brother. He told this other guy, oh, yeah, I got two dates. Megan's the first date. And I'm like, are you um, freaking oh. kidding me? So this is actually wow. why Well, let's I need out him. Help. Let's out him. Give <laughs> no, no, we can't do no, that. No, I won't do that. Well, no, my business plan doesn't have any legal fee money in <laughs> oh, yeah. it. So, no, we're not going to out him. But, no, that's a really true story. Oh, Megan, I'm sorry. When Jerry and I, and let, let's look at her at the same time and, and look her straight in the eyes and say, guys are not dogs. You had a bad experience with one guy. We don't you, you do this stuff. You are having Jerry stuff. Springer. Tell yeah, me tell that men are not dogs. Are not dogs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
That is that is really rude. most men are not dogs. I I, t- I agree with that. that that's this a, one happened. To that's me. a horrible thing that happened. <laughs> I would, it was pretty pretty. Uh, I can honestly say I have never done that. I've never done anything. No, I, close I, I mean I was on the other. I was begging for dates. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? You know they what? They stayed with me for an hour. That was a victory. Yeah, I had some dates that were very, very short, and now yeah. I'm looking at them in a different way. I'll tell you how all pathetic. of them had a second Well, I yeah. true. I just thought of it. This is really pathetic. I, I was very late in maturing, or any, I still haven't matured, but I mean, yeah. I, I didn't have any dates in high school. I mean, I had no Aww. dates in high school. And in college, I started dating. But anyway, but in, I tried to get dates in high school. Well, maybe I had two dates in high school. And my dad made stuffed animals. Did I tell you the story? Yeah, well, yeah my dad was a, a vendor, and he made stuffed animals, you know, that sold on the boardwalks of New Jersey and New York City and stuff like that. Anyway, so he made stuffed animals. So back then, it was kind of, you know, times have changed. But back in the 50s, you know, girls loved to have stuffed animals. And... Uh, <laughs> So, see so you carrying in your school bag stuffed animals, just dozens which of you well, like some candy, did. little girl. You know. And like all of a sudden, so I would ask someone out. I said, "My dad makes stuffed animals." You know, first she'd say no, and then said, "Well, my dad makes stuffed animals." Okay, well maybe we could go out. So I bring the stuffed animals, <laughs> and they wouldn't go out on a second date. So I wised up, and I didn't give the stuffed animal till the second date. <laughs> did you? Is that, but that's that smart. didn't work because then I never got a first date. <laughs> yeah. No, did you bring like gifts for first it's dates? True. No, what I did, no, Bonnie, I didn't. Diddy. I didn't. My <laughs> yeah. lovely wife's in the audience. I did get early on, as soon as I could afford it. It's like most people would work, put money, save money to go to college. I needed money for a car, a cool car. Because it, I felt I needed shot. all the help I yeah. could get. If I had a cool yeah. car, maybe then I could get dates. Yeah. But, I have, I've now, I've had a couple of times where I've gotten flowers on first dates, but the coolest gift I have, so you, you're not going to remember this, but maybe some of our listeners will. There was a um, cartoon show in the late 80s, early 90s called Gem and the Holograms. And this guy brought me, we had talked about it over the phone, he brought me the box set of Gem and the Holograms for oh, our first man. date. <laughs> I still man. have it. <laughs> now, I want to ask you oh, a question. Time, how did that date end? What time yeah. did he take you home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, you know, we, we went to dinner. That was a normal date. We went to Bonefish for dinner. And then you said, I have a second date. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Yeah, got to wrap yeah. this up, Larry. <laughs> hey, uh, let me turn us to some music because we always do this and we love doing this. We have a great group tonight, uh, a, a group that's called Ma Crow and the Lady Slippers. And they are well known in the greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. And uh, we're going to ask them to do a song and then we're going to chat with them. So whenever you, you guys are ready. And we're looking at a, a fiddle, a bass, I mean like a floor bass. Stand-up bass. Stand-up bass. We got a guitar and we got a banjo. So and we're going to really introduce cool. each of them as soon as they do the song. Okay. So whenever you guys are ready. Up on the mountain where the wind blows free, deep in a shady grove of white oak trees, Ida Bale sleeps forever as we wonder why. You left this troubled world in your 18th year of life, covered now with moss and leaves that almost hide. A grave long forgotten by the world outside. It's where they gathered and it's where they cried. 
one summer morning as they said goodbye. What did you dream of when you closed your eyes? Or when you looked up at the starry midnight sky? Did the deep blue hills their truth reveal? Love and life will always be a mystery. Outstanding. That's yeah. Mall Crow and the Lady Slippers. I'm going to ask if one of you ladies, and by the way, it's four women, and if one of you could introduce the others, who might step up and uh, do that, if you would? Well, and uh, yourself as well. Okay, I'm Mall Crow. Okay. And uh, why are all the who are all these kids, and why are they calling me Mall? Is what, yeah. Yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> we have Miss Trina Emig on the banjo. She is the banjo goddess of Cincinnati. Yes. <laughs> And uh, we have Miss Margie Drees on the fiddle, who wrote that song, The Mystery of Ida Bales. Nice. We have Miss Vicki Abbott with the Bluegrass Habit standing up here with a big doghouse bass. She's the heartbeat of the group. Nice. 
And uh, where can people hear your music? You have a website, I assume, and tell us what that is, please, uh, Mom. Macromusic.com. All right, and you have some CDs out as well, we I understand. We have several CDs. Our first one was uh, Wayward Daughter. No reflection on any of us. Yep. <laughs> uh, this, the second one is uh, Memory of a Mountain. And the third one is Black Wings, which uh, Ida, the mystery of Ida Bales comes off of our, our latest album, CD, Black Wings. Okay, would you do how, a second song for us, please? I sure would. All right. how, long, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I, a long time. I've no, been, but I've as been a playing. Group, as a group, or? we got together in May 2011. Oh, okay. okay. 2011. And, uh, but Trina, Trina and I have been playing together since uh, the last century. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember it, yeah. Remember that? Okay. And, it was a good one. I still live in it. <laughs> yeah. Trina yeah. used to play with uh, Vernon McIntyre. You, you were asking about Vernon. And that's a well-known person in the bluegrass circle bluegrass here in the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. And, uh, and then I have a friend, that I, uh, Katie Lauer. Oh I've, I've played with Katie. Also well-known Katie in these parts. Katie said to say hello to you. Yeah, okay. Well, hello to her back, absolutely. All right. Do a uh, second, please. This one here is, uh, comes off of Memory of a Mountain. It's the title song. Margie Drees wrote it. It's about mountaintop removal. We don't want to say anything any more than that except that it breaks my heart. Okay. Yeah. okay. and 
You have to come back. We have to hear more of this. Oh, this is, yeah. this is more. Guys I just had this one quick thought. Maybe it's relevant or not. But anyway, I had this thought. Young people today, so many of them who want to, let's say, be musicians and, and want to do that, and, they, and I'm part of the problem, they, they watch these television shows and they want to go on American Idol and they want to go on America's Got Talent. They want to do all that. And it, it's almost as if the goal is, I just want to be famous. I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be a big star. I want to make millions and all that. And then I listen to you guys who, you know, be as famous as you want to be. But it's like, it's so obvious, this passion you have for the music you play, it is so authentic. It is so real. There's nothing commercial about it. Uh, buy their CDs anyway. But... <laughs> I mean, really, hats off to you. I am blown Thank away. You. By, I am blown away. Thank you. Okay. And Jerry, yeah. I, would, I, would, I would add just one thing to that, and it supports it, is they have lived, you can tell that they are, they know something. They're singing about what they know and what they've experienced, and that yeah. mountaintop removal song is a passion yeah. you guys have. We have it, too. Mm -hmm and uh, good on you for doing that. Could you take us out on that old standard Irene Goodnight? And Jerry Springer's actually going to jump in. He can, he's I'll try and carry you guys. You're going to do the second verse for us. Um, and uh, our friend Katie Lauer said that you used to come down to Aunt Maudie's and help sing that. Uh, yeah, God bless her. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the fact that she was able to keep her career going in spite of that. Was, <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. She's Thank great. You. Please say hi to her. Thank
been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, sponsored by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Hope to see you all again real soon. Oh, yeah.